0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: First reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 36 to 38. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you'll disown me three times. And then reading from John chapter 18, verses 15 to 27. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood round a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself. So they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow.
0: When I was at Theological College, uh, one of the lecturers there told me about a church that he was associated with. It's called Emmanuel Nashville, and it has this three-point church mantra. It's a sort of a a, a mantra that sums up the culture that they're trying to set at church. And, uh, And it comes up in lots of areas of church life, for example... Um, right at the beginning of all their sermon recordings, it's played out. And it's interesting, it's uh, it stuck with me, and it goes like this. One, I'm a complete idiot. Two, my future is incredibly bright. And three, anyone can get in on this. For me, it's that first thing that stood out, for, uh, stood out and stuck with me. I'm a complete idiot. It's a bit jarring, it, you know, it feels strange to hear said in a church setting and to be the first thing that we say about ourselves, I'm a complete idiot. Well, what it's done apparently is to set a church culture that is open and honest about sin and then getting really excited about grace from God. You see, it allows people who've messed up in their lives to feel comfortable to come to church and to talk about what's happened. Church, rather than being a place just for good people, is for them as well. But also, it allows people who look quite good to be open about hidden sins and to be honest about the battles they face. You see, it's a culture where sin is not a surprise. It's serious, but it can be talked about. And then together they can turn to Jesus and see that there is still hope. I think this fits with our passage today in two ways. Because first, we'll see that we all sin. We all fail. Even the keenest Christian falls into sin. It's just to be expected. We are all idiots, But second, we have a wonderful saviour, one who never fell, one who never failed, and so he can save us. We're into the climactic chapters of John's gospel. Last week, we saw that Jesus was arrested, but he was so clearly in control of the whole situation. This week, he's on trial before the Jewish high priests. But at the same time, Peter is having his own mini trial around that fire. And the contrast is deliberate. It's, it's almost cinematic. Where Peter fails, Jesus stands firm. And so we'll see Peter's failure. And we'll see it as a picture for all of us. But then we'll see Jesus standing firm. And that is such good news for all of us. So firstly, all followers fail. All followers fail. Peter was the number one follower. Let me tell you about Peter. We think Peter was probably a pretty big guy. He was a sort of big burly fisherman. Later on, uh, towards the end of John's Gospel, there's an account where he, he hauls in this massive net of 153 fish all by himself. So he was probably a big guy. He was a confident guy. He uh, he took the lead, he spoke up, he said what he was thinking. His real name was Simon, but Jesus called him Peter. Peter literally means rock. He's a rock by name and a rock by nature. And in chapter 1 of John's Gospel, he and the other disciples are called to follow Jesus. And following becomes a key idea for them. In chapter 8, Jesus says that they follow him in the light. In chapter 10, Jesus says that they follow him like sheep following a shepherd. And in chapter 13, those verses that we just read, Peter, he makes this remarkable claim. He says that he will follow Jesus even to his death. It's a huge claim, but if anyone can do it, it's Peter, the rock. Jesus says he won't, though. Jesus says he'll fail. Jesus says he'll deny him three times. So Peter, he's the number one follower, and he represents us all, and how he does is a picture of how we all do. So now to our passage. Chapter 18, verse 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus here comes the follower he's tried to fight in the garden just beforehand but Jesus said no yet he's still following what will he do now will he be able to stand with Jesus right to the end well the other disciple gets him into the high priest's courtyard and on the way a slave girl sort of casually says to him verse 17 you aren't one of this man's disciples too are you but he replied I'm not a denial. But maybe this was just so that he could sort of get in to get to be near Jesus. Still, it's the first denial. And now he settles in around the fire to watch what happens. And he's keeping warm with the others standing there. And I'm afraid, Peter, you're only making it harder for yourself. So we jump on to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. And it can't be a strategy now that Jesus is there. He's he's taking abuse and, and Peter's here warming up fitting in getting away with it and the thought of speaking up for Jesus sounds less appealing two denials he's given one more chance though verse 26 one of the high priest's servants a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him didn't I see you with him in the garden? Now there's a bit more pressure here. A witness to him previously standing up for Jesus. Someone who wouldn't have taken kindly to what he did. And Peter crumbles. Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow. Just as Jesus had said. Another gospel refers to Jesus at this moment turning and looking directly at Peter, his follower. failed. And the lesson is that all followers fail. This is a reality. You know, we we know this, don't we? Haven't haven't we often thought, I'm gonna stand up for what I believe. You know, you've come to church, you've had a rousing sermon on a Sunday, and you think this week I'm gonna speak up for Jesus at school. I'm not gonna stay quiet at work. I'm gonna take those invites and I'm gonna invite people to Christianity explored. I'm gonna do it this week. But Monday comes, and in the office, conversation takes a turn, and, and people are talking about like, the raunchy scenes in Bridgerton or, or RuPaul's drag race, and, and all of a sudden the thought of speaking up for Jesus sounds less appealing. I, I couldn't possibly say what I think. These, they don't want to hear about my faith. And those invitations to Christianity Explored stay firmly in your back. We all fail. You see, we're sinners by nature. Sin is the word for how we go against God. It's got plenty of outward things like not standing up for what we believe. But primarily, it's our attitude towards Jesus. And it's, it's when we love ourselves more than we love Jesus. So Peter, he denied Jesus. And it was because in that moment, his love for himself trumped his love for Jesus so he protected himself and when we mean to speak up for Jesus but don't it's the same we love ourselves more than we love him and it's the same for every sin you might commit little or large we get angry because we're only thinking about ourselves we speed because we only care about our time we cheat in our marriages, because we're so consumed by our own desire and we don't think about Jesus and we don't think about other people. So Peter's failure here is a picture of every follower's failure, big or small. It's all the times we put ourselves before Jesus. And look, some of those times, those failures will be big. A failure that looms over you. You know, think about this for Peter. This would have been on Peter's mind for the rest of his life. His great failure. You know, and we might have failures that loom large over our lives. Maybe you said something, you made a stupid joke, and you really hurt someone, and you completely regret it. Maybe you have ruined your marriage a night of folly and you cheated on your spouse. Maybe you treated someone badly at work, you lost your temper and now you're being called up for bullying. Maybe you got drunk. Maybe you stole something. Maybe you went too far sexually. Maybe you got pregnant. Maybe you're back addicted to something that you thought you'd got rid of. Maybe your spending is out of control. All followers fail. These things are serious, but they should not surprise us. Now look, our situation is slightly different to Peter's. We're after the cross. We're after the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's grace from God to protect us, but there's still a danger. Followers still fail. And some of us will know this from our experience, our past experience, or even our present experience. You know how you failed. But look, this doesn't write you off. In fact, this puts you in just the right place to receive grace from Jesus. We're about to see that he's the only one who never sinned, so he can be our savior. Please don't despair. Jesus still loves you. but some of us won't know this from experience and in fact we're thinking i might not fail with those with a hope even an element of confidence it'll be okay there's no big sin in my past maybe just some little things you know i'll probably get through life without messing up well let me say that this sort of thinking is very dangerous for two reasons one it makes you more likely to fail and two it makes you more likely to underappreciate jesus all followers fail we've got to know this and then we've got to turn to jesus So let's do that now. We're going to see here that Jesus never failed. It's this middle scene, verses 19 to 24. Jesus never failed. If we were doing a film studies course, we'd be thinking about the the cut here between Peter and Jesus from outside to inside and, and then back again. The deliberate cinematic contrast. Because there is such... contrast you know the situation that Jesus is in is so much more serious isn't it you know his is a proper trial with important figures high priests not slave girls and the real possibility of floggings and executions but see how Jesus is strong and calm and defiant and without fault He is the one person speaking truth here. Verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. He's under pressure, but he stays calm. He's not overcome by fear, as we would be. He's he's talking about what he intends to talk about. You know, they're asking about his disciples and his teaching, but you see, he only replies about his teaching. He's still protecting them. He's still in control. And his point that he makes about his teaching is that it's been open and it's been consistent. We know that, of course, at times he spoke just to his disciples in private, but it wasn't some different teaching to what he said in public. Unlike us, he's not afraid to say before enemies what he'll say before friends, to say when it's hard what he said when it's easy. And he struck for it. The first blow of the incredible physical abuse which he will endure for the next 24 hours. But he doesn't react. Again, he speaks out for truth. Verse 23, if I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? this whole scene is lacking in any truth here inside with all these people speaking lies against him and outside with Peter denying him is lies everywhere and the devil is having a field day but Jesus will not compromise And this is the point. He's the one person never to fall into sin, never to lie. Jesus never failed. And this means that he can be our saviour. I can't be your saviour because I'm a sinner too. But a sinless person can give his life as a ransom for us. And this means that Jesus' innocence is something to get excited about. As we read through the Gospels, every time we see him not sin, we should be getting more and more excited. The Gospels start, don't they, with, with Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40 days, but his innocence is established. And then as we go through the Gospels, there's all these moments, all these interactions, all these bits of opposition and disappointment and all these teachers of the law just going against him but he never sins his reaction is always godly and as we're building up to the cross to this final week we're wondering will he remain innocent as the pressure builds but at his arrest there's no sin and at his trial there's no sin. Will he make it all the way to the cross? Will the devil get him? Can he be our sinless savior? Yes. He can. His innocence really matters. As the one innocent person, he can pay for our sins. As the one man with credit in his bank account, he can pay for our debts. As the one man whose boat isn't sinking, he can come to our rescue. As the one man who's not in the pit, he can throw us the rope. Because he's innocent, he can save guilty sinners. Guilty sinners like Peter, guilty sinners like me, and guilty sinners like you. He can save us. And Peter, again, is our example. In a month or so, we're going to be in chapter 21 of John's Gospel. But uh, we can't wait until then because in chapter 21, Peter is restored. And in that chapter, we're reminded of this chapter. You see there, Jesus meets Peter standing by a fire. And there Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And three times Peter says that he does. And Jesus' response then is to call him to follow. To follow, as in chapter one, as he claimed he would, as he failed to do, now he is restored to follow Jesus. All is forgiven. Jesus never failed. So he can save all of us who do. There's grace to sinners. Today there might be people who are feeling the weight of your sin. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now that you know is not right. Maybe it's something in your past that you've been carrying around. guilt of maybe it's the cumulative effect of all those little sins i'm i'm loving myself more than i love jesus today if you're feeling the weight of sin please bring it to jesus whatever you've done come back to jesus if you're a christian and you know that your sin persists come with it to jesus if you're not a christian but you know that it's just not right you're not right with god And it's just the same, come with it all to Jesus. He's the innocent one who gave his life as a perfect sacrifice for us. In a few minutes, we're going to sing How Marvelous. Many of you will know the song. It's it's just right for today. We're amazed that Jesus could save a sinner like me. The second verse, it says this. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. And this is our hope. He had no sins of his own, but he took ours to the cross. And he did it alone. He was the only innocent one. So he can take whatever it is that you want to give to him. No sin is too much for him. Please, if you're feeling the weight of sin today, bring it to Jesus. As we close, I just want to ask one final question, a question about our church culture. Do people confess sin here? We have our regular confession in Sunday services, and that's a really important thing. But do we ever get more specific? Do we name our own sins in confession to God and to each other? Like that church in America, does our church culture encourage this? Do do people join us who have complicated lives and, and sort of they've messed up in big ways, but they know that they can come here and talk about it and find grace? Do those people join us? And do we have people who look good owning up to things going on in secret? And do we talk about the battles we face? And if sins are exposed and if sins are confessed, how do we cope as a church? Can we bring them under the grace of Christ? You know, I hope that as we get so caught up in this love of Jesus for us, then we can forgive each other's sins as God forgives us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he was innocent. He remained innocent to the end. We praise you for him. And thank you so much. That innocence means that he can save us. Lord, please forgive us our sins. Whatever it is right now, we bring them to you. And we ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name. And please, Lord, shape us as a church that we might know your grace. And so be able to talk about our sins and bring one another In faith to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.